0: Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library.
1: Welcome to Turn the Page podcast. This is Jessica. I am one of your hosts today. I'm joined by... Hello, I'm Jen. Happy to be here. And
2: yeah uh, we're really excited to have our guest uh, please introduce yourself and tell us about your book um i'm molly Greeley. um we're talking about marvelous my third uh, book which is about the real life renaissance couple who um, may have been the inspiration for the fairy tale beauty and the beast
1: it was marvelous is a good word for it
0: Jen go ahead because I can see that you wanted to
1: jump in right away
0: oh yeah I really loved this book it was um so fascinating and so beautifully written and my first question is kind of about uh the the structure because I really enjoyed that and it was something that I don't really encounter a lot like when I read fiction especially historical fiction these days and I'm wondering what sort of like what inspired you to take this sort of like long view that you take with how like the the book is structured
2: um so uh, to be honest the structure was something i struggled with quite a bit it was i wanted to i definitely knew that i wanted both pedro and catherine to be narrators um and tell their own stories but or you know third person version of their own stories but i i guess because you know the the renaissance is something like the the politics of the time are so complex and so i wanted to get that in there but in in a way that didn't make it the focus of the story because in my mind the focus of the story was this family and so it just kind of felt like okay so it was it was partly to do with it was partly to do with wanting to get the politics in because it started out with me actually having Antoinette, one of the daughters, as a narrator as well. And she came in, in order to kind of, from her adult perspective, um, give the reader some of the background as to what was going on politically. And quite rightly, my agent looked at this and was like, you know what, this is a little bit of a mess. (laughs) And so We talked about restructuring it, taking her out, and I had to weave it back, weave all of the politics back in, but I wanted to make sure that Pedro and Catherine's, basically their life together was the the main focus of the story. And I wanted, um, I wanted to jump off with, with Pedro's death, with the end of their marriage, because from the beginning, I wanted readers to understand that they loved each other. Um, I didn't, I mean, that was, it was one of those things that I didn't want to be a surprise later on. Like I wasn't looking to make this um, a question of whether their marriage ended up working. As complex as it ended up being, I wanted them, I I wanted you to have a reason to root for them, I guess, like to understand that they, um, that they wanted to be together in the end.
1: So this is, okay, so this is considered um, the true story that, that, inspired beauty and the beast uh that just um so this takes place in the time uh catherine de Medici is the queen and um her late husband had um, found a uh, sort of well found bought um and raised pedro he has um um I, how do you pronounce it um um,
2: oh, hypertrichosis. Yes, hypertrichosis.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, which means um, that he is covered from head to toe with hair. He looks like what a depiction of a werewolf would have been in, you know, like the, the um, universal monster age movies. Um, and uh, but he is a person and several people have been documented to have had this. I know um, in um, uh, P.T. Barnum. Employed a lot of them, quote unquote. Mm. Employed in his freak shows. Um, yeah. There's actually a very famous internet cat named, I think his name is Achtrum, that actually has this. He is adorable. Oh, yeah, he, <laughs> he's a, he's adorable. I highly recommend you looking him up. He's yeah. awesome. You're going to um, yeah, but um, this young man, um, he came into the court and um, the king. Sort of took a fascination with him because, you know, at first they're like, well, this this child, he was like about 10 years old, they think, when they first got, yeah, Yeah. Um, was is wild. He's a, you know, one of the forest people. He's a wild beast. And really, he was just a very scared little boy Mm -hmm. who wanted um, what every child wants, love and a family. And uh, the king raised him as a noble person. And then um, after his passing, Catherine. Domenici was like, I'm going to marry him off to somebody beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And I mean, so it's one of those, there are a lot of historians who, out there who, you know, posit the idea that this is was the inspiration to the Beauty and the Beast, because that um, which was written, um, you know, not in in that time, but approximately it was in I believe the 1600s was when the original was written. And so, um, it's not for certain <laughs> like i want to put that out there it's not absolutely for certain that this was the inspiration but it's very likely that the writer would have known um, of Catherine and Pedro because in his time he was he was a well-known figure and so um but yeah it, it's it's kind of fascinating how similar the stories are in that you know the the wife has you know some choice in the marriage but not you know just like beauty in the story has you know a choice whether she wants to stay in the castle, but it's not really much of a choice. Um, Given the time period, she had very few options. And so the, and he, I guess the way I looked at it was he was not held by a spell. He was never going to be released from his appearance. I mean, that was just the way he was born. Um, But he, he, you know, he, but yet he was held in the palace in the court in court life nonetheless i mean he kind of it was like a what what was he going to (laughs) do um out in the world unfortunately uh in a way you know court life was like a cage but it also kind of shielded him i think from the rest of the world because um you know human marvels for lack of a better of lack of a better term were something that were like tr- commodities they were traded in by you know the the nobility of the time and you know it was it was like a mark of status to have them at your court so in so people who lived at court presumably were used to having unusual people around them and it wasn't as big a deal as if you went out into the the rest of the world
0: i i really like that the 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 novel um, addresses that so complexly, um, because it is absolutely true that like, um, yeah, courts did sort of collect people the way that they built menageries, you know, as sort of like marvels that showed off their wealth and their status and things. And I think that, you know, to mention what you mentioned before, the fact that you lead with their love, you know, and like the ultimate, uh, happiness that they found in their marriage sort of, um, I think restores a lot of like um, agency and dignity to him as a character, you know, because it's not, you know off the bat that it's not going to be a book that is just about his suffering and his marginalization and ostracization from society. Like he's going to be treated as a person with all of the complexity that that entails. And so was that like a sort of intentional reason that also drove those choices?
2: Very much so. I didn't want it to be a story about, you know, someone who had an unusual appearance. I didn't want it to just be about someone's appearance and that, you know, and how, I think there are so many times when people who have, you know, physical differences, they're depict, like, like you said, they're depicted as just being bullied, as being um, just having really difficult lives as a result of this. and And because, you know, we knew that he was a real person obviously we don't know for certain what kind of marriage they had but um in my imagination (laughs) it was a good one we know that they had children together um at the very least quite a few children um and i i wanted i mean dignity is the right word i wanted him to to be a full and complete human being and not to be um not to just be his hair (laughs) i mean that yeah. You you said it. You said it better than I did. You um because I really really did want to to give him the dignity of of a complex inner life and mm-hmm. um, family life. Thank you. Yeah, like
0: in a lot of ways sort of the tone reminded me of um David Lynch's The Elephant Man, you know, where like the focus isn't his abnormality from our perspective, it's how the way he is treated shapes him as a person and how he still manages to, uh, you know, create some aspects of a fulfilling life for himself, even though there's a lot of tragedy too, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so when you were writing Catherine, um, how much is known about her specifically? So we we know, obviously, that they were married and um, her father was, I believe, um, a merchant or a servant of... A Yes. So, you know, it was um, obviously, as you mentioned, it was like a no choice choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've also heard from several sources that Catherine de' Medici was not uh, looked as the kindest person, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which we can get into a little bit later. But how much is actually known about like the real Catherine?
2: Um, Not a lot. I mean, I guess kind of like a lot of women who were not, you know, the Catherine de Medici's of the world like the the cat, you know, the, the people who the the very few women who had real power in in the world. Um, History doesn't record a lot about everyday women and and Catherine really was as far as we know, a very normal, everyday kind of woman she her all we know is that her father was a merchant. very probably the draper to the queen although that's not i'm not positive about that it's um and we know that she had at least seven children with pedro and that she married him that's really all we know about her um we have one portrait of her that probably was not actually painted from life um the historian that i was who was talking about it said that it was very likely that most of these portraits were actually drawn like sketches and then the paintings were created later so we don't even know if her coloring is the same as it was in the painting we don't know that's is that the painting
1: with her hand on his shoulder Mm
2: -hmm. yes that yeah because i was doing some research and that's the only one i could find yes i i did find there was there's a painting of a young girl when i was doing initial research into this there's a painting of a young girl that is often on the internet used as a picture of Catherine. But as far as I can tell, that's not actually a picture of her. I think it, it's just a young girl in a yellow dress. <laughs> but um, but the one with her and Pedro is the only known for sure one. Yeah.
0: That like actually reminds me of a question I had too, which is like about, um, you know, writing fiction about, uh, you know, people who are on the historical record. And I'm wondering, like, is it harder to write someone like Catherine de' Medici, who has a lot of records that you have to fictionalize around, or is it harder to write somebody like the other Catherine, you know, who is not as well documented, and who you have a lot more room to play with?
2: Um, for me, people who are better documented are, are definitely more difficult. Um, you know, I I always want to stay as close to what is known as possible, and so and if a lot is known, then that's a lot, that's a lot of that's a lot that you need to make sure um, to try to put in, I guess, because. It, To me personally, it feels like there's a lot of responsibility in writing about real people and they're not it's not as if anything I write is guaranteed to be true, no matter how hard I try but. um, But I definitely felt a little audacious writing you know, trying to write the inner lives of people who who really lived, but it was easier to just let my imagination go when it was someone like Catherine about whom we know very little (laughs) yeah. Did you, uh, when you were writing Pedro's parts,
1: um, did you feel a little bit differently? Because, um, I mean, as as mentioned, we know very little about Catherine. We know a little bit more about him, though.
2: We do. Um, so he was the subject of a biography, um, an Italian biographer that I um, read. And it's... The, this biographer was it you know he posited that Pedro was very, very, very interested in having like meaningful work that he didn't want to just stand around and be and be hairy. and so that's something that I want to make sure I put into this book. Um, the it was hard for me to put together who Pedro was um, initially because I didn't want him to be. unless there was something that I found that that indicated this, but there wasn't, I didn't want him to just be a very sad person. I mean, I I wanted, like we talked about, I wanted him to be, you know, complex. And so the idea that he was interested in having this, this meaningful work, there are actually, there was, um, I believe, a document that where he did request when he, when they moved to Italy, he requested work specifically from the Duke that they, you know, go the Farnese family and, I mean that just to me spoke to him him want, not him wanting to be part of the world in in a way, and also just wanting his own he wanted dignity is the is the way I saw it um and to be seen as a person with you know worth and something something to give beyond his appearance um but it was I definitely did have a hard time trying to kind of cobble together from these little bits and pieces that we knew about him who I thought he might actually be like inside
0: especially when I imagine like that a lot of those sources were probably pretty like biased against him and not particularly interested in him as a person you know like because so many times you have to also battle like the perspective of uh the person providing the source that you're using you know
2: That's very, very true. And I feel like with him in particular, there was not, there's not a lot of, of writing about him that talks about his interiority. It's, it's all about, you know, like there, there was, you know, there was a, um, who was it, I believe it was, I think it was someone who, I don't remember who it was, It was someone in the French court who, when Pedro was brought to the court in a cage um, as a gift to the king, you know, they, Documented like what he smelled like how, where 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 he was hairiest they talked about all of his different body parts, like that was the kind of information there was, like the color of his hair, the texture of his hair like but there was very little about who he was as a person um so and and then you know when you go online to less um uh, reliable sources <laughs> um there's a lot of speculation and and it is easy to get pulled into that, I think, um, and to what people's opinions might be. Um, like you know, like even just the picture of Pedro and Catherine that you talked about, with her hand on the shoulder. There are a lot of people who say that is a good indication that they had that they were in love, that she was touching him. And I guess to my mind, we don't know that. It could be that's how the page, you know, the painter imagined them. It could be that's how they were posed. Um, when you're dealing with historic, you know such a dearth of like historical information I think it's easy to take little tiny details and blow them up into it make a big deal out of them when we don't actually know for certain anything really there's so little that we know for certain about these people
1: I wanted to ask a little bit about the um servants that served Pedro Mm -hmm. um so what, where did they all come from? so obviously you know the the servants that served him there were um you know people that they, they didn't uh they 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 didn't necessarily not fit into the menagerie that Pedro himself was in um do we know much about that?
2: no, the only and I don't know if servant is the right word for him, but the only person we know anything about really was his um keeper, for lack of a better word, who, um, uh, I can't think of his first name, but Monsieur de la Vacherie, I believe was his, was his name. And he he is an interesting figure because in those days, um, apparently both the animals in the menagerie had keepers and children had keepers. And it was the same word, the same French word was used for both. And I don't speak French, so I butcher all the all the French pronunciation, but, Um, It was the same word for both. And so there was a lot of speculation in the books that I was reading about him as to whether the fact that he had one of these keepers was because he was a child or because they thought of him as an animal. And it could have been either one, Um, but he was really the only person who I found anything about who dealt with Pedro on a regular basis. Um, And so he would have been responsible for um, like keeping track of the costs of Pedro's clothing and making sure that Pedro had tutors and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, the word was very interesting because it's another, it's just another question mark as to how he, how he was perceived in his time.
0: One thing that I also really appreciate about like the perspective you take in the novel too, is that, um, you know, because um, you take this, long view i mentioned before where you sort of like drop us in and out of like moments you know in their lives like in a, on a longer scale um it, it it's the narrative is like i hope i hope i phrase this correctly not so much about like it is about you know the role that his appearance plays in their marriage obviously and how that like is something that has to be accommodated like when they're getting to know each other but it's also kind of about like what any extremely high profile marriage in a court would be like was like what is it like to be married to somebody when like so much of it is a public performance and uh, in addition to like the private moments you know and like that what that does to a relationship was that something that you also like thought about during this or
2: yes it was I mean well it was especially because um it did as I was writing it it did start to dawn on me I, performance is the perfect word because I feel I feel like that was they they spent a lot of time, you know, the courtiers just waiting for the king to tell them what to do or to get you know waiting for a way to serve the king and so and in that there was a lot of like political jostling there was a lot of, um, trying to, trying to get as close to the royal family as possible and and the way that you and your marriage were perceived I'm sure was part of you know could be part of that, it, I was, you know, thinking of, um, Pedro's, uh, friend, Lidovico Gonzaga, and he was, um, he was a real person and he, his marriage, I mean, from the little I found, his wife didn't come to court as often as he did. And so even that, it was just kind of the fact that he was free to kind of do what he wanted. His wife stayed home with the children, um, but their their relationship is very much a political one. I mean, she brought a lot to the table as far as um, property and money goes. And I think that in those times, all of that would be noticed by the people around you. And um, I imagine there was, judgment on the states of various marriages and you know the reasons people married or all of that
1: (laughs) yeah you know and i was i was thinking in general one of the things i really liked when you were writing the relationship between pedro and catherine was you know catherine was kind of like she was like oh why aren't you bringing me more into court why aren't you into you know and he had a completely different perspective of it and though even though um you know he was brought to court for a specific reason she was brought to court and married to him because of who he was and because you know there was like this ulterior motive almost from um the queen or the queen the queen mother at that point i suppose so you know it was uh it was interesting how you know when you're writing you wrote the build up to their relationship at you know these misunderstandings that you know she was like well i'm here at court why aren't i here at court and he's just like you don't really it's not all that nice of a place you really
2: want to be at court <laughs> it's kind of his yeah um and that's something that i don't know about him i wonder how interested he was in politics. I, I wrote it so that he was not terribly, he didn't want to get involved, that it was a little bit, um, I mean, I think he could see the pitfalls <laughs> of of that. And because, you know, if you back the wrong horse at court, basically, um, and then powers, you know, the power dynamic shift, then that's a problem. And so for him, I think, um, it was easier just to kind of at least in my book it was easier to just stay in the background and um try to keep safe and so and yes but she was like she was a young girl who was at a royal court and she you know wanted to be part of it in the beginning at least
1: yeah you know it was like it 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 was like in a way she was like okay you know but i was i was married to somebody high profile and i'm here and it's like, you know, she it was like she was lonely and she mm-hmm. wanted to sort of figure out a place. And like he had a completely different experience, you know, and right. view of it. It
2: was just written really well. Thank you. Yeah. I think miscommunication and um, just not understanding each other's perspectives were definitely A reason for you know the kind of bumpy start to their to their relationship along with the you know marriage that neither of them was really looking for but
0: and I think I think his perspective is justified too you know because like um he's in this court that like as you said before is sort of like a gilded cage you know where he's like protected but like at the at the whim of, like, a, you know, capricious ruler, you know, so he has to watch what he does and what he says in a way that, like, she has an experience, that she is this young girl, and the court, like, the court is meant to be seductive and pretty and magical, you know, like, that is the appeal that kind of covers the poisonous, treacherous, you know,
2: (laughs) (laughs) stuff that goes on (laughs) under the whole thing, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely, Um, yeah, she, I guess, I, Envisioned her as because you know we know that she was a teenager when she was married, and we don't know exactly how old she was, but she was a teenager and she um I just you know was tried trying to imagine the daughter of a merchant even a wealthy merchant coming into that you know situation with. I I kind of imagined her to be a little bit naive as far as what what she was getting herself into yeah.
0: That actually was something I appreciated too, um, <clears throat> because when, um, you know, when her father basically gave her over to the court to have his business debts cleared, um, I, I thought so clearly, I was like, gosh, like the Disney version of that, it's like, oh, poor dad, you know, like and beautiful daughter who does what she's told. But this story has some, like this version has some room for like, like WTF dad, like that's a really <laughs> messed up move, you know, <laughs> seriously.
2: I think, well, that's one thing about the original beauty and the beast. Not, I mean, the Disney, the Disney version, I guess, kind of, um, softened everything, <laughs> but you know, the, um, original one, I mean, it really was very much about a daughter's duty to her father and, um, and you know, daughters, daughters, listen, they obey, they, um, you know, when, when they're told where to go, they go. And that was something that, you know, I know that it can be interesting trying to look at history through like a 21st century lens um, where, but I still imagine that a teenage girl who, you know, is is not necessarily going to at least mentally agree with everything her father <laughs> wants her to do, especially when it's something as, you know, huge as marrying someone she doesn't want to marry.
0: So I do like that, that it has some room for her to at least experience, you know, resistance mentally, even if she does like, you know, go along with it because that is her role in society. Cause even today, like we all do things that we don't want to, but we don't always do them happily. <laughs> <necessarily>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think, um, I mean, this is just, I, I think that this is just a really good story to tell were you um just really quickly and i know this is kind of going around the back the back way you know when did you come upon it and when did you decide you wanted to tell this story
2: um i it was actually just before covid lockdowns i i remember very distinctly i was sitting in a coffee shop um with a friend and i was do i was editing um doing like final edits for my second book and in that book, I referenced the fairy tale, Sleeping Beauty, and I just kind of wanted to double check on the date that that, was, that, that fairy tale um, was written to make sure that it made sense in, in the time period that I was writing. And then somehow in my Google search, this like snippet at the bottom of one of the results mentioned something about the true story, of Beauty and the Beast. And I was intrigued and I clicked on it and just went down a rabbit hole. Um, and I had been working on a different book at the time that I, you know, I haven't, wasn't very far into, and I remember turning to my friend and being like, I think, I think I have to write this. It's just, it just fascinated me everything about it. Well, thank you so much.
1: This has been really great. Um, when is the book out officially on shelves? Uh, February 28th, February 28th. So, um, it, it'll be, it should be, you should like put this either on your reading list on February 14th or, (laughs) you know, order it or, you know, tell your library you want it as soon as you go out. Cause it is is a a really good love story and it's a historical story. And it's it's one that I don't think a lot of people know about or they, they don't know as much as they should about it.
2: Thank you so much
0: you're
1: welcome so yeah. once again this was jessica with sayos library our um
2: oh my co-host was
0: bye i'm jen see ya
2: <laughs> and our guest was molly greeley thank you so much for having me thank you
1: so much and check out marvelous when it comes out we are going to close this chapter of turn the page
0: it's time to close this chapter of turn the page join us for the next episode